Hello and good day, wonderful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing tremendous, and I'm sending you all of my prayers and well wishes your way to you, your families, your friends, wishing you all the best. We've got an absolutely exceptional episode of the show for you today. We have Emilio Diaz Barroso on, and we are talking about his new book, Mystery of You, Freedom is Closer Than You Think. This is an absolutely phenomenal episode. Uh, Emilio has an amazing life journey. Uh, we talk about uh, leaving his his successful business, Zen Cones, loving yourself as you are, uh, how to move through feelings, you know, the backward steps, why suffering is optional, uh, why enlightenment is in all of life and all experiment uh, experiences, uh, the definition of discipline, experiencing imprisonment, uh, liberating fears and traumas, money and other limiting beliefs and fears, uh, what knowing what you have dominion over, uh, the prostitute archetype, and so much more. This is is a very uh, amazing episode because it's practical. You'll understand the insights and you'll have wisdom that you can apply right now. So if you like this show, please share it far and wide on all your social medias, your friends, email lists, however you can get the word out there because censorship is a big deal. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com and uh, you can become a member and get exclusive content for free. Uh, but you can also support the show financially as in on Patreon for a dollar, three bucks, five bucks, whatever you want. If you want to support the show, that would be amazing. And if you want to check out my programs and work with me, go to Matt at zenathlete.com. You can check out the Zen Athlete program, the quantum heart hypnosis, the soul compass, or we can work one-on-one, whether you're looking at uh, uncovering your life purpose, overcoming limiting beliefs, uh, or you're working on some peak performance and entrepreneurship or life. would love to work with you and see how I can support you and your mission. So thank you so much for listening to this show. As always, the best way to support it is to do three kind acts wherever you are. So uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, compassion, courage, faith, and get ready to enjoy this incredible episode with Emilio Diaz Barroso. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming extreme censorship. So if you'd like to support this show, please share episodes far and wide. Consider leaving a review, uh, becoming a member at mattbelair.com where you can join for free or by donation if you'd like to support because Patreon is no longer available. But the best thing to do to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest was a lifelong seeker seeking recognition, achievement, love, success, and finally the ultimate carrot enlightenment. In his pursuit of enlightenment, he was forced to face what all the seeking had been trying to avoid, his own sense of unworthiness. Defeated at the game of avoiding and humbled by the realization of his true nature, he is now dedicated to alleviating suffering in the world. He is an active investor, philanthropist, and entrepreneur, and sits on the board of over a dozen nonprofits. He has a master's in spiritual psychology and is the author of the book, Mystery of You, Freedom is Closer Than You Think. Welcome to the show, Emilio Diaz Barroso. Hey, Matt. Thank you. That's awesome. Great uh, so excited to have you on. You know, I looked at your bio is very uh, deep. You've done a lot of work um, and you're doing some amazing stuff now. So why don't you just uh, start us off with a little bit about your background and your journey and how you went from doing all the things that you were doing to writing a, a book, you know, based on spirituality and, you know, overcoming unworthiness and all the amazing stuff you're up to now. Of course, man. 
you know, I, I grew up in Mexico City and I uh, grew up in a family that was pretty much at the top of the socioeconomic scale. So I was like the, you know, 0.0000001% of that uh, population base. And it was really strange to be surrounded by so much money and power and privilege and still look around and see people discontent. And I, you know, I was young at the time and I still bought onto this idea that, no, no, that there's something here that I have to figure out, but let me first go and achieve everything I need to achieve, make all the money I need to make, be recognized and powerful and do all that. And then I'll focus on figuring out how this happiness thing works. And uh, by your nod, I can, I can see that that sounds a little bit familiar. The, <laughs> so that A type just went, deep into, into business and, uh, and I made a lot of money and I became very successful. And however, pretty my life looked on the outside, there was this underlying sense of, of unease and I felt guilty for feeling it because I would compare myself to everyone else that you know, was really struggling. In fact, I can't afford to just even complain about anything. I, uh, I should be just grateful all the time. And uh, you know, then I devoted to uh, figuring that out. And I used that same A type to go into spirituality. I was like, I'm going to, but because I was so A type, I was like, oh, I'm going to be spiritual. I grew up Roman Catholic uh, yeah, in Mexico. I was like, I'm going to be the Pope. Like I'm, I'm going to be the most special guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of running. And, uh, and then spent, you know, maybe like six years of my life going to like 10 silent retreats a year, week long. And um, just really wanted to figure this out. But deep down, I was I was escaping, feeling feeling unworthy. I wouldn't have never admitted that, but that's really what was going on. And so then I've I've been over the last uh, six or seven years just dedicating my life to mentoring and service and supporting people to really recognize sort of their inherent okayness and that they can run if they want to run, but they don't have to. You know, they're running uh, when it comes from a place of fullness is just a lot more rewarding. So that's kind of what I've been doing. I wrote the book just to try to get some scale around that. Wow. Well, that's an amazing story. And, and when you look at your background and achieving all that success and um, and then taking your A-type into kind of decoding spirituality, I love the idea. It's like, I'm just going to be the Pope. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it big. Um, you know, in your in your journey, like I think a lot of the route around suffering in general is unworthiness, right? That, that inner dialogue, the inner critic, you know, going a lot. When I coached athletes, it was so interesting that it only took me a few athletes to coach in the mental game to realize they were coming in second because of this, not feeling good enough. They were athletically more than good enough and they would sabotage. And I'd find like a, you know, a past memory or something like that, where, you know, they were kind of protecting themselves, you know, because they weren't worthy of being number one. So it's a fascinating thing. And you also have that scale of, um, reaching the financial success and knowing that there's still an emptiness there, you know, like it, it can be good if you're doing it for the right reasons and it does make things a lot easier in a lot of different ways, but it's not the solution, right? You kind of need both worlds to be balanced. So maybe you can speak on that too. You know, what do you think the lacking or missing pieces for somebody who's achieved that success um, financially or in business? Like what is the missing piece and how do they start to engage in their own journey? Yeah, as you, as, you, as you mentioned, as you probably saw with athletes, I, I mentor a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm on the board of companies and nonprofits and, and I'm, I'm around people that are at the top of their game, uh, like some of the most proficient uh, 
and what people would say successful people in their fields. And I am surprised at how in those moments of stillness and quietness and vulnerability, I, I, they, I'm honored to that they trust me, but they, they really are hurting. And they're hurting because they thought that enough of something, whatever that was, whether it was recognition as an athlete or money or success or whatever it was, would make them feel better. And what I've discovered is that that, you know, the Buddhists really had it and nailed it. The, the principle of Buddhism is impermanence, right? And this idea that we buy into as a society, that there will be this state in the future, once we get somewhere that will be then complete is, is so uh, elusive. And I think that's what keeps us spinning. And I think some of us are lucky enough to get to a place to have the luxury to investigate and say, wait, is that really gonna happen? And, uh, and it's really, really hard because I, I do a lot of mentoring to these entrepreneurs and CEOs and they're so in the game they're so convinced that just a little bit longer will solve things that it's hard for them to stop. Uh, and I don't, I don't necessarily invite them to stop like you wouldn't invite an athlete to stop, but to really question where they're coming from, right? You can, you can try and be the best at what you are, but if your well-being and your sense of worth is dependent on getting there, that's a high threshold. Because then it's, you're operating from, a, from insufficiency, from lack scarcity yeah i i totally agree and very well said i i give the example that like if you need anything else outside of you to be uh worthy right so maybe you need a little bit more money maybe you need a partner maybe you need uh promotion maybe you need something right he's like oh it's not good enough maybe you need a better house maybe you need a better car if it's anything right just you know it's this thing and then i'll be happy and then everything will be complete it doesn't matter what it is it'll shift once you get it because you're you're not in you're not complete now and i like the idea too you know i think everything will relate to athletes as well when like they want to make that game winning shot if they're whole and complete and harmonious with missing the shot as an individual they're gonna have less stress going through their body right this is a they're trying to do it it's a they'd like to be successful but it's not dependent on their happiness it comes outside of that right that's an expression of who they are and that's the most powerful state of being you know and i also i also like the example of like a child right like is a child good enough at you know two or when they ride a bike or when they can speak English or when they're in middle school or is it when they're in high school, right? Or, and this is where it gets interesting or is it when they finish college or university and get that first job or first promotion? And then all of a sudden we're kind of moving into adulthood and we're trying to get to that next piece that kind of gets us there, right? That, that makes us, right? Kind of when you went down the A type of being successful and doing all these different things. Oh, then I'm there, I've arrived, I've complete. But life is a continuing uh, unfolding process right? Of incompleteness, right? And it's like an oak tree or something. You start as the seed, then you, you know, eventually get to sprout out and that's exciting. And so it's like loving yourself and being worthy of whatever stage that you're in, knowing you're going to constantly progress and evolve. Yeah. And I, and, and it's, it's so, it's so fascinating, right? Cause I, I heard this so many times and I was like, yeah, I get it. I, I understand. I need to love myself and then it'll be, and, and I think it can be such a mental concept until we really live it. There's a, there's a great Zen koan and koans are these images that are used in, in Zen tradition to elicit a certain thoughtfulness or contemplation. And, and they're mysterious and you know, the, the, the more ambiguous they are often the better. But this one, uh, and I don't know where it started, but 
essentially a, a, a figure, an individual, with a stick on their head. And then in front of that stick is a bag of shit. And actually, in the back is a bag of shit. In the front is the, is, the, is the price, the carrot, right? And yet the stick is stuck to their head. And they're always trying to get to this price, whatever that price is, and not run the bag of shit. And for me, I realized how much that dynamic played out in everything. Like I was just so invested in avoiding all the things that I thought were, were undesirable from hunger, like that simple or tiredness to feeling sort of shameful or guilty or like the deeper emotions. But so much of my energy was invested in that. And where this dynamic of just be okay where you are shifted for me was in the willingness to let the bag of shit hit me because I became really proficient out running it. It's like, oh, let me never experience guilt. Let me never experience shame or whatever it was. And these were all mechanisms that I thought were freeing me, but they were actually imprisoning me. They were keeping me in this run. It's like, as long as I run fast enough, I can, I can avoid this thing, whatever it is that I'm, that I'm... And then at one point, I just, I guess I got tired of running and I let this bag of shit hit me. And I let myself feel the shame and the guilt and everything that I had been running away from and it was so liberating. I, I, I can't put enough. It's, it's the equivalent of, um, tell this story in the book of, of like a kid that is afraid of the monsters. And there's this monster in the closet, right? And you can create all these psychological games as a kid of like, no, no, there's no monster. Or you can leave your lights on or the door open or whatever it is. And, but you're still afraid of the monster. You can bolt the door. It's really not until you're able to sleep in the closet with the lights off that you become free of the monster. And that's what I invite people to do around everything they're running away from. It's like, what's it like in your body to feel guilt, to feel shame, to feel unworthy? Because as long as we're trying to outrun unworthiness and convince ourselves that we are worthy and that we should love ourselves, it's just a mental game. But our body has so much wisdom. If we can really let it feel that unworthiness, then we can become free of it. Then it stops being the monster in the closet. I love that analogy. A lot has come up recently around, you know, somatic experiences of feelings, just basically allowing the feeling to uh, go through the process in the body and just let it be as it is. And I feel like... I like the example that it, it's bringing in wisdom from the body, just letting that go through, letting the, let it wash over you rather than avoiding it because other then you're, then you're putting all your focus on not feeling that. Right. And so that might not be what you actually want. And, and you feel like if you go into the guilt or the shame or the uncomfortable feeling, you're going to stay there forever, but you're just learning to process emotions, which, which come with life, right? You're going to, the better you're able to do that, the more information you're going to get about the experience of life, which will help you make better decisions. Although some of them are frightening. And if you don't face that monster, the darkness, the unworthiness, the shadow, all the parts of you, you don't like until you do, you're all, it's always going to be running unconsciously in the background, affecting uh, your mood, affecting your um, values, your beliefs and decision-making. And so it's a, it's a simple and very powerful thing to do. And maybe you can speak a little bit on, you know, if you want to go deeper on like the unworthiness, right? I think Greg Braden says there's three universal fears. I don't know, Google them to make sure I get them right, but it's uh, not being loved, not being accepted, not being worthy. I think something, something along those lines, I usually mess up one of them. 
and I found with a lot of the people that I've worked, that's, that's the case. And even with myself, I love the idea of waking up and being like, you know what? I, I actually do love and accept myself unconditionally and completely as I am. And I feel like I'm okay at that, but I, I don't feel like I'm like authentically a hundred percent, you know, I was, in I was the best at that affirmation, 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 yeah. affirmation. <laughs> reminded me of elementary school when I had to write a thousand times. I won't be late. I won't be late. I won't be late. <laughs> You were and the Bart Simpson late. of uh, Catholic school. You know what I mean? I'm oh, sorry for my sins. And we think, we think, we somehow associate punishment, good, or, or the contrary, that it's going to change behavior. And my experience, I never stopped experiencing unworthiness, no matter how many affirmations I did. It was always outrunning it. And that I'm a, I'm a big fan of affirmations and gratitude and manifestation and Beautiful. My approach is a little bit counter to that grain. And I've seen it work miracles in myself and others. It's literally stopping the game of avoiding, saying, let me feel the unworthiness so deeply. Let me liberate it in my body. I wake up, I feel a bit unworthy. Rather than let me share an affirmation, I'm, I love myself. What's it like to really dislike myself? Because that's freedom. Because then, then, Point, it's, it's all energy, right? So it's almost like we have these nodes of energy and we have the node that we have named unworthy or not good enough or comparison and people be, and we have this node and, and it's almost like we, we surrounded with a layer of like, you're, it's not okay for you to exist. But just in doing that, we're keeping it in place. When we, when we get curious and we allow it to be here as energy, not in the story, then it, it literally just flows through the body. And then there's like an, an open door policy to it for me like for me jealousy was a huge one and I would sort of growing up in Mexico macho very possessive and my parents got uh, divorced but they didn't tell us they were divorced so my mom would be flirting with guys and that was so confusing to me and so I became overly possessive and it showed up with with partners as well in romantic relationships and I tried to work around that in every which way I could mostly by being so desirable and having my, my partner, my girlfriend be so in love with me that she would never leave me, right? That was really my, my workaround. But what really liberated that was feeling the jealousy fully in my body. And that was freaking scary. But ultimately it just was energy. And it's like, oh, well, th here's this colleague that I've had in me forever that I've never fully allowed to be there. What would it be like to let it be here? And it was uncomfortable for a good minute. Gone. And since then, I haven't experienced it again. Crazy. It, it comes up in like bubbles and then it just knows that there's no resistance. So it just like moves through. Mm. It's, it's, it's really, and I want to invite sort of a deeper sort of thread into this, right? Because there's, there's a psychological ways of navigating this sense of self. I'm worthy. I'm not unworthy. All of these sort of dynamics, but then there's the, at the core, at the core, our biggest issue is this sense of separation, right? We, we've all had experiences, particularly sort of athletes, but I think all of us have had experiences at one point in our lives where we recognize ourselves to be inseparable from everything else, right? Whether it's a state of flow or just that perfect moment where in just all sort of, it's almost like this relationship that we have with the environment is a, a layer of, an intermediator almost. There's us, 
this intermediator that has opinions about what's going on and then everything else. And in those moments that people would co call moments of flow or, or, or other moments, when this layer falls away, there's this, there's this sense of just oneness, right? And I, I wanna propose that that's not just a, a one-off experience or something that we can only achieve when a certain particular thing. I wanna invite that that's actually real and that's the foundation of all of us. And we've just been accustomed to putting stuff on it and creating all these identities that create this separation. And we think that if we don't have opinions, that if we don't have someone, some layer saying, this is good, this I like, this I don't like, he's better, he's worse, then we'll somehow be lost and all will go to hell. Yeah, well, I agree. And that's really powerful. Kelly Brogan was on the show last and she talked about something similar. Uh, the story you put in your head about what's happening right? This is happening. So we all create a story. And I believe landmark, I've never done it, but I've heard good things. I've also seen some other stuff, but it seems good to me where it talks about the story. And I feel like the story we, we tell ourselves is incredibly important, but beyond that is just present awareness. That's why for me, extreme sports and skateboarding and surfing and snowboarding, it allowed me to go into that state naturally. Some people get that through writing or music or creation, and they feel good because they're in the present moment. And when you look at Zen teachings, it talks about how do you bring that into everyday life? So they give the same reverence to meditation, which Alan Watts calls absurd, like to sit there and to meditate, to become in the present moment is an absurd practice. You know, he's like, so bring that into sweeping the floor. And so I remember when I first started looking at the Zen stuff, I was like, okay, well, how do I stay in the present moment? I, I'm reading it. I understand it makes sense. It's impossible. So I made these cues, like whenever I'm eating, whenever I'm washing the dishes, whenever I'm going to the washroom, because these are habitual things, I'm going to see how long I can stay in presence. And that's a very powerful thing. So you can train it. Um, and then it's catching yourself and coming back and, and being aware of that internal dialogue and what's going on. The more we can live in presence, uh, it's so powerful because even with depression and anxiety, you know, anxiety is worried about the future and all the things that could happen. And depression is replaying the past and both of which are not here and now. Right. And so you don't know if that thing's going to happen. So you can be aware to a degree, but you don't want to be living in those spaces. It's going to cause discomfort because you're not where you are. You're not experiencing reality as it is. And so you're going to feel disconnected within yourself and with all of life because you're not aligned to what or congruent to what's going on. Totally, totally. And, and where I would, would get so caught up with this, with this idea was that, okay, I'm here and I need to be present. And that was such a loop for me because it was operating with the same premise of right now is not okay. Something needs to change and I need to become present. And that just kept me circling. Right? And that was why well, it was so hard to be present because now I have to be present, but it's, I have to be present in the future. And, and so what's been really helpful for me is rather than I have to be present, it's like, what is presence? How is presence showing up right now? And just that question, it's like presence is showing up as even as anxiety. Presence is showing up as thinking about the future. See, to me, if, if you can see the thread of what I'm trying to point to is, is really allowing what's here to be exactly it. So rather than looking for present, this, to be present, discovering the presence that is here. If that shows up in a sense of unworthiness, that's presence. Because then it's, it's game over for the ego, game over for the one that's trying to figure it out. And it's like, as long as I'm present, then I'll, be, I'll have a good day. 
Someone's like, and we keep tabs. How many times was I present? That's the, that's the insanity. Because we're trying to get to here over there. The craziest thing in this sort of past and future, and for those of us that I, I tend to be very mental, and, and which is a curse and a, and a blessing, right? but I can use my mind to inquire and to get really meticulous with sort of almost like a scientific approach to, to things. And it's like, okay, the future, clearly future doesn't exist, right? It's, it's the past, clearly the past is in our memories. It's just, so just here. And, and then I'm like, but is here, here? Like if I get really <laughs> curious, here is only a function of what I'm perceiving, which is already in the past. Because it takes, even if it's a nanosecond for my senses, eye, hear, uh, hearing, hearing, touch, to register and process in the brain. That's already in the past. It's already a memory of what's here. So then it's like, shit, this, this here doesn't even exist outside of this story that I'm making. It's almost like, like the, the water faucet and it's right at that source. That's our life, it's right. So the idea of capturing the presence or the now is silly. It's almost like it's like, now, as opposed to like now. <laughs> It, it, and it, and what I've discovered with that is that it's uh, it's game changing, because then it's every, the invitation is continuously rather than than looking at something. It's like almost like a and in Zen they have this saying right the backward step, and the backward step is essentially just let what is here be here. It's yeah, it's trippy, <laughs> but but what has happened for me, just for whatever it's worth, is that. My life changed dramatically from that. And I stopped suffering. I used to think that suffering was essential and it was something that was gonna always happen. And, and there's a distinction between suffering and pain. I, I, I have pain and I, and I have deep heartbreak and I've, but I've realized that suffering is optional because suffering involves this idea of somewhere else there or there that should be different. And it's so powerful to move about the world because my ego was so concerned about letting go of all of this. Cause like, well, if we let go of it, then we're just gonna lose all our money. Then we're just gonna be floating around and not do anything. And my experience is, uh, is quite the contrary. The more this way of being is, is showing up in the world, the more abundance there is. Yeah. Well, beautiful. When you're sharing that story, it it uh, reminded me of like it's like a mental mind f u c k. <laughs> I won't say it, but uh, because I remember you know going through the meditation, and this is something I like to give to my students. Is they'll say, okay, you know who was aware? Like you right. So you go in there. It's like all right, you're starting to think, and it's like who was observing that thought. And then you try to go back there to whatever that is. And then you go, who's observing that thought? And it's like, can you keep going back? Like, what is that? And you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it actually reminded me of, I had a near death experience in, on Everest. And I heard long story short, when I was, when I knew I was in trouble, I heard my voice outside of myself, tell me it's okay, go to sleep. So it was me as like, like a physical entity. I didn't see it. It was just, I talked to myself in my own voice. <laughs> to me yeah. and i was like yo what the heck and that's when i knew i was in trouble because like that's never happened this isn't good uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. i love it yeah it's just wild you know the experience of life and so i love what you're saying and 
it, it's it's cryptic like zen cones you know what i mean it, because it's supposed to be it's supposed to you know kind of my interpretation of it is it's supposed to bring you back into the present you know what what they're doing is to bring you back into the present and so would you i kind of got would you look do another attempt at how do we live in the present moment living through the feelings because like you said pain that exists right like uh if if you have a day where you lose a loved one you're going to go through those emotions that's a part of life it's not to ignore those emotions that's going to be present for you now and so then you've got that mental checklist right i remember my a morning checklist of to do got to two hours for a couple of years of my life. Right. But I architected my life where I could go through these things and explore them like you did with the, you know, meditation retreats and all these different things to learn how to be in the present moment. So if someone's listening and you're, you're trying to help them walk this path where they're in their body, where they're in their emotion, they're functioning, they can plan for the future. You know, how can you give like a practical step or an analogy? Totally. Totally. Because if I can't, I know right now I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I would okay, love let's, to. Let's I think I do it sometimes. Let's take you right now. Okay. Right now. So you're not doing it, right? What does not drop into your body? What does not doing it feel like in your body? Uh, I feel a little bit in my belly, like uh, like going down a, a lighter roller coaster. Yeah. So feel that. Whatever, whatever shape it takes or form or colors or just let it be, get curious with it. See if it has a beginning and an end. Notice that something is aware of that experience. See if you can find any separation between the awareness of that and that energy itself. There's a boundary. And let that energy grow, move, shrink, do whatever it needs to. And notice the intimacy between awareness of it and that energy itself. Thank you for willing to go, go through that with me. Notice the presence is always there. And our body is this direct gateway into it. So even if, if what's present is I need to be present or I'm never present or even shame, as I was saying, it's like drop into the body, feel it here. And what's it like right here, right now? And the mind, if, if it's anything like my mind, would go, yes, but, yes, but. I was like, okay, what's the yes, but feel like? See, it's this continuous pulling the rug by dropping into the body. And my experience is that after a lot of pulling the rug, for me, maybe for people it's less, it stops becoming a, a habit. And it just becomes this immediate experience of being that includes these ways, that includes the even the I'm not present. And then what has been transformational for me is that most of the books and the retreats and the people that I was uh, trying to sort of follow were gurus and they were teachers that live very particular lifestyles. And so well, enlightenment looks like that. Enlightenment looks like this guy dressed like that, living this kind of lifestyle. 
I have three kids. I'm running hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm in this board. I'm CEO. I can, uh, let me finish this and then I'll get be enlightened. And I said, no, it's, it's all of it. It's, it's here. The enlightenment is not this idea of this state that where nothing happens, which is how I used to hold it. It's in all of it. It's in, it's in how I deal with conflict. But now if I'm not invested in this identity of the one who is more or less than, then, then dealing with conflict becomes just a game. And there's a lot of heart in it. So for anyone that's listening, sorry, just whatever is present right now in your body, what would it be like to let it be so fully here as if that experience is the one you've been waiting for your whole life? If you're religious, if that experience is divinity itself. Well, that, that was great for me doing that in the example you just shared, I had a deepening of the understanding the epiphany of moving into experience rather than story. Right. So when you're in the conflict, you're, you're in your mind creating the story of the conflict and your point and their point and how the outcome you want and all that kind of thing, where you're training yourself to go back into the body, to the body's intelligence, feeling that experience. And I love that idea too, because I feel like the body is highly intelligent, uh, more intelligent than the mind, because the mind is really just consciousness and it can only hold, like they say, six to nine bits of information at a time. Right. So you got your coffee and you, you know, you're driving the car and now we're starting to get overloaded here because you, Right. Then you got a conversation in the back and all that you're, you're maxed out. That's all the consciousness can really do. And that's, you know, then you can kind of go through the filing cabinet of your memories and what you think and try to pull them up into the forefront and figure shit out. And the body is, is connected in the heart and the soul to a higher intelligence. I give the example of like, um, you know, let's say you're somewhere in the world, right. In a cafe and all of a sudden a tiger breaks out. Most people are going to start doing parkour, you know, hanging from a light all of a sudden and the body will have just done that. Right. Mm -hmm. And this intelligence will get, Oh, there's something off, you know, and, and let you know. And so, you know, we're kind of tapping into that intelligence where the mind is almost like a hamster, just spinning nonsense over and over that doesn't really produce results. And I feel like we think if we keep thinking, the results are going to become clear. Things are going to get better. We're going to think our way into enlightenment. And I love your example of enlightenment and being in everything. And I, there's a old book um, called the way of the peaceful warrior and the yeah. enlightened guy in that Socrates is a gas station attendant. And um, you know, he's just like, he's talking about, well, if you're enlightened, why are you a gas station attendant? He's like, why not? <laughs> you yeah. know, he gets to talk yeah. to all these people. So your life experience as it is, is beautiful. And so I guess for the question I'm, would gravitate is toward is how do you balance the um, creation element, right? Of like, okay, we, we want to know who we are. So we might have a, an experience in life. We would like to change. Maybe we don't like our job. Maybe you don't like these other things and we would like to create, right? So when there's a creation, there's a separation already from what it is, but we do have a desire. If it's an honest desire coming from our, uh, our true values, who we truly are, then we want to put an energy to create that. So how do you uh, help educate people on moving towards that from a sense of completion? Yeah, it's, you know, a, a beautiful analogy that I think of often is uh, hiking. Uh, I don't know if you're a hiker, but when, when you're hiking, you're not thinking where you're going. You're just stepping. And oftentimes in life, I treat 
life as if I had to make a decision of every step. And if like, am I, am I stepping on that branch? Am I not stepping? Well, if I step in that branch, this would happen. If I don't, if there's a rock, there was, if I treated hiking like I used to treat business, I would have never gotten anywhere, right? It would have been this sort of artificial experience of hiking, which would have been awful. When you're hiking or when I'm hiking, I just follow what's, what's right. Because, because, it, because the moment is complete doesn't mean that I'm just standing. I'm taking the next step and the next step and the next step. And if I get an impulse to move to the right, I move to the right. And if I want to go to the left, I go to the left. And, I, and there's that wisdom that you're speaking of. If I see a snake, I don't need to create a story or understand the snake or not. I just know that that may not be the best path for me. And I go to the other direction. My experience with business or creativity is, is very similar. <laughs> there's something, when I used to do these silent retreats, I, uh, I haven't done some in the last few years, there's almost like this, all this noise that's in the head. And after a few days, this noise would die down and it'd just be like silence. And in that silence, there'd be so much creativity coming up because there was space for that creation, almost like that blossoming to, to have a place to emerge. And I know that I know that I feel the difference when I'm being creative from a place of that source. And when I'm being creative, because I think that my creation is going to sort of make me feel better about myself or when I'm forcing something. So I, I would trust creativity as the expression of that state of being. And to the mind that says, yes, but I would continue inviting like almost like a scientific approach. Just give it, give it a day or a week, an experiment. You've been trying this for, the, for, the, for, for your whole life, the thinking approach, right? The, the let me muscle through it approach. Just experiment. Give it, give it a week and set some clear parameters and benchmarks so you can actually measure it and have some data to, to I'm, I'm totally metaphysical and I'm totally grounded, right? I'm, I'm very, let's, let's look at the data. Let's examine. Don't believe anything anybody says. Test it out. So yeah. I would encourage people to test it out. And for you, like you, you didn't really go into it, but your background was in finance, right? So you're very uh, mental and mathematical and equated and data driven. You know, that's very, like you said, very A type, which is incredible to move over to this side because the A, the last thing the A type wants to do is come on over here. <laughs> I mean, last thing, last thing, and I had all this identity. I'm the Harvard guy. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the guy that has all this money. I'm the guy that everybody wants to be in business with. I'm, and all of a sudden, I'm running teams and making movies and doing tech and, and looking at just having conversations with the most brilliant and, and recognized people in the world. And then sort of coming to this, my ego was so, and I'm a parent of three, my ego was like, we're going to lose all of that. And people are going to think we're silly and foolish and woo-woo. And how are we going to relate to people in business? I, I mean, I also run a fund, for example, and I manage money also, aside from my money, I manage money for people and I do these... If you had told me that I could do all of that and still be free, I'd be like, well, then I wouldn't be a good investor because then I wouldn't be driven to make money and beat the others. It's crazy how it's literally like I was playing Super Mario. I don't know if Super Mario is, is a little bit too dated, but <laughs> any kind of video game. And I was so invested in being the character. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, I'm not the character. I'm actually the whole game. I'm Luigi. I'm everyone. And I get to go back and be Mario. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to beat Luigi. I'm still going to play this game, but it's from such a different perspective. 
Mm. Well, that analogy again, uh, the one before about uh, letting life teach you, and that's something that I've kind of come across lately or, or contemplated more lately. Of uh, We look for books and podcasts and uh, educational material and, and talks and all these different things to educate us on God, on life, on how to do things. And I think that's a part of it, and that's fine, and we can go down that path. And if we're open to uh, life and God as the teacher, like life and to me, and I love your thoughts on this, like God, it's like, okay, I'm open up to my education and my experience. And as things come in, right, you're processing it and you'll know if it's a yes or a no. And when you, when it lines up for me in my life, when I've known it's a yes, I've been able to take those leaps and, and do a lot of things where people in their analytical mind would never, ever do that because it wasn't safe. It wasn't secure. It wasn't rational. And for me, I just knew I need to go do those things. I was listening to as life came to me, like, this is the next thing. This is how I need to do it. You know, when I went to Egypt, for example, I listened to Nassim Haramein speak and I was like, I need to go to Egypt. And uh, I just knew it. And then I found out the trip was, you know, very expensive and U.S. dollars and being Canadian. I didn't have that. And, you know, was able to figure out a way to end up going. And, um, you know, by kind of seeing these cues and, and taking an action where I needed to take action. And when something's not right, it's just like, you know, you put it, you listen to the body, right? This isn't for you. And you get better at listening to those signals. But if you only go on paper, and only with the data and what your mind is thinking, your mind isn't processing the, the everything the way your body is, right? And in martial arts, they teach you that as well. And I feel like my martial arts training is why I wrote Zen Athlete and what I hope to make popular in the world is this type of body awareness, what they teach in martial arts is applicable to everything. And so I was naturally doing it and kind of curious why people were making what I would perceive in my view, crazy choices. And I was like, okay, you're going to do this, but like, there's no happiness and there's no fulfillment. There's no energy. There's no, uh, authentic I know who you like my friends. Like, I know who you are. This is going to make you miserable. Why would you do this? You know? And and so that's their path, but it's the value of coming back to the body and the body's wisdom and the body's intelligence. And so as life is coming to you, um, you know, processing that in an ongoing moment, but then you're actually living life. It's kind of like playing Super Mario, um, but then thinking about everything else over here. So you're not in the game. You're not in the experience of it. And people like video games or games in general, because it brings them into the presence. It brings them into life. So if you're able to do that with all of life, uh, that's that's the ticket. And I'm remind, I'm thinking of this meme that's so funny now. They're kind of coming out a little bit more where people have these uh, virtual reality goggles on. And uh, there's a commercial, I think, in Norway. It's like, try actual reality. You know, <laughs> and it's, just, it's becoming absurd of how disconnected we're getting from uh, living, you know, in the moment. And some of my Native American teachers, you know, they don't meditate. And they would say, you know, you're, you wake up in the morning, right? And you're going to meditate during the sunrise. And they're just like, why wouldn't you just look at the sunrise? <laughs> it's like, it's like, like Alan Watts is absurd. It's like, there's this amazing sunrise of life going on right now. And you want to close your eyes and think about being in the present moment. Like what is what's it's happening here? So, it's so Western, isn't it? In some ways, <laughs> if we, if we think about it, it's so reflective of our society. Meditation is a great, um, just extrapolation of everything you're talking about because it's, when I started meditating, I hated it because it was like, okay, let me meditate. I mean, it was like the ultimate egoic control. Let me get my mind to stop. The only thing that wants the mind to stop is the mind. You know, this is, that's, that's sort of the craziest <laughs> thing. So, so it was like, 
And it's similar to life. It's like, let me figure it out. Let me find my purpose. Let me go and create the most amazing. All of this is very forward moving, very, let me figure things out. Let me be the protagonist of this. And just like meditation and life, what if you reverse that? And what if our only job is to look at the things that are getting in the way? Like what if meditation was already here? What if my purpose was already here? What are the things that are in the way of that, that keep me from experiencing and being in that place? So meditative, the sunset is here. If I have silly thoughts and there's resistance to those silly thoughts, can I just notice that? As opposed to try to get rid of the thoughts because trying to get rid of the thoughts is just more resistance to the resistance to the... And, and in life, you know, what you were speaking of, like just follow your energy I love that. And my, my greatest asset in following the energy is exploring. It's almost, it's more of that backwards. Like, where is there fear for me? Where is there fear clouding what my next obvious step is? Because oftentimes I don't need to know my next step. I don't need to know the direction. I just need to remove the fear and then it just reveals itself. So it's much more a process of sort of examining and sort of trying to extricate all these things that we've put on it as opposed to figuring it out. And a lot of people that I mentor, even very successful people that are in their 50s are still looking for their purpose and they feel kind of like this midlife crisis and they are still doing all this because they're, they're looking for purpose. And I, I often just invite them to shift the idea of purpose as a something that they're going to be doing to a way they're going to be showing up. And then if the way they show up is purposeful, then everything they're doing is their purpose. Yeah, that's a, that's a powerful shift. And, and I'm reminded of this analogy I bring up sometimes is you don't need to know right all the steps, right? You're talking about doing the step that's in front of you. And it's almost like life is, um, you're blind, right? And there's this map, you know, like you think of a Zelda map or something, and it only shows you how far you've gone. Um, and so then you'll say, oh, here's the next step. Go ahead and take that step right? Maybe it'll give you two options. Choose the one that feels the best when we kind of move towards the analytical, the safest route. And that's kind of what we're programmed to do because our conscious mind is designed to keep us safe, right? And in order to do so, we need to eat. And so we need money for that. So it wants to make the safest choices all the time. And there's uh, importance to that. You shouldn't throw that out the window. And there's these other um, elements of life through the body are saying, hey, yeah, you can be safe and practical and, and responsible and accountable while doing this, right? So you might have to do both. You might actually have to put a little effort in and, and how you go through that uh, experience, You right? Like you might work a regular job, but be inspired to do something else. Take that inspiration into your job with the present moment, right? Like making that your purpose. And then also, you know, apply that energy here. And uh, I think Stephen Kotler, he was on the show a long time ago, but one of the things I liked that he said was, you know, keep the responsibilities of what you have, but give 4%, a little bit, right? On your drive to work, right? To move towards the thing that inspires you. When you start with simple questions, what problems in the world would you solve if you could solve them? Uh, what would you do if money were no object? What things inspire you? What would you get a PhD in automatically, right? And then, so you just start to chip away and it's that chipping away that creates a whole new direction and a whole new set of experiences. And that's what I believe then life response, 
right? That's yeah. when life is going to say, oh, this is what, you know, he's moving towards. And you're going to be more queued up to that reality, to that opportunity from what you're doing. And one of the things that I, you know, with the podcast over the last few years, you know, I just hit 550 episodes, which I'm really excited about. That's wow. a, it's a lot of episodes and you know, of up and downs of, you know, let's say downloads and things and getting decimated through deleted and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and having like a hope of, okay, over seven years of doing this, could I have this idea of like traveling Well, traveling is kind of out the window and this, all these things have kind of gone, but the most important thing about it is the people I get to speak to you know, and uh, the things that I learn along the way as, as choosing this. And, and it's also a signal for other people who uh, are out there. There's like, oh, this is what Matt's about, right? This mm-hmm. is, this is, so I get to attract people that are like-minded, like-spirited, like-hearted. And for me, that's invaluable. And some of the friendships that have come from this have been invaluable. And uh, some of the opportunities that I'm sure will be coming from that choice, you know, are invaluable. So uh, there's these uh, intangible parts to, you know, seeing how life is going to um, support you. And it might not be in exactly the way you think, um, but sometimes it's greater than, and sometimes you have to wait, you know, a little bit of time um, and and try to enjoy the process. And it's like, when I'm training people in martial arts, it's like, you suck at first, you know, and uh-huh. your body's going to be sore, you know, and things are going to be hard. And as you get better, it's not that the training gets any easier actually once you start getting good we really beat the piss out of you um you're stronger you're better you're more resilient you're more focused you're you're able to apply yourself even better you've become less in your mind probably yeah and you're yeah you're a much more fulfilled person you know and you can apply that in everything and so um yeah do you just want to comment on that right yeah no i love it (laughs) i want to i want to i want to put a a double click on on what you said about the traveling and, and sort of the uh, sort of the podcast and everything. And one of the ways that I've found is the easiest way to get clear around your direction and to actually have life show up in the ways that are aligned for you is like, what does traveling feel like for you, right? Because I, I don't know if that was a, just a, a, an actual example or if it was real for you, but if, 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 if traveling is, is alive for you, but it's just not your reality in this moment, it's like, what does it feel when you're traveling? And let the body feel that. And if you let the body feel as it may be just as if I feel when I'm traveling, I feel like an openness in my heart and an openness in my mind and a curiosity. And then, and then if I can embody that state physically, then whether I travel or not, I'm already experiencing it. But it's more likely that it will attract situations that will promote that kind of experience, whether that looks exactly how I envision it or something else. But it's more of that sort of body wisdom. Right? And this, this mind thinks that it can only happen then, but it's like, it's kind of like when the example of, of uh, think of a lemon, right? I don't know if you've, you've gone through this example where you cut it and you imagine squeezing it into your mouth, all the juiciness and all the citrus in your tongue. And, you know, we all have that reaction. It's like, there's no lemon. I think it's the same with, with anything that we're looking for. Can we, can we fully feel it in the body? And then my experience is that life tends to mirror that back pretty quickly. Very quickly. And to your point, I think at first, all of these things are, uh, you know, it's baby steps. You know, we, we are like, okay, let me remind myself to drop into the body. Let me remind myself to just be more here. And it's like, at some point, it stops becoming a sort of a, a thing to be reminded of. I, I love the, the, I don't know if you ever came across this in, in, in sort of all the uh, sports uh, environments you were around, but I heard the definition of discipline as remembering what's important. I was like, oh, 
I can remember what's important. I, I don't need to be sort of this externalized idea of like, no, I need to remember to, to drop into my body or to just even fully feel what here feels like. It's just, that's what's important to me. So yeah, I totally resonate with what you're saying. Well, I love that. So I, I'll go a little step deeper um, because I feel like, you know, in Canada and in other places, people have been challenged. Uh, maybe they've had to let things go. Uh, maybe they didn't have the same uh, opportunity, like freedom. So the traveling is real. In Canada, we're not able to leave uh, some of us or, or go and, and have that same amount of freedom. It's kind of restricted. And so as the world kind of changes and creates these um, challenges, right? How do we, how would you recommend that we, you know, stay in like a fearless state and, and, and an optimistic one as we might be uh, dealing with, with really grave challenges, you know? So I've heard of people's stories and like, wow, that that's a good challenge to deal with. And we want to have the best mindset. So how do we, how do we do that? And when we see like, it's almost like you're in a fight and you see a one, two, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, there's more coming. So, you know, what, what is it that I can do? And in, in fighting, it's a good analogy because if you are getting your butt kicked and there is more coming, it's even more important that you stay focused and you stay aware so that when that opportunity comes, you're able to get yourself to safety and, you know, reverse it or get out of there. And the second you uh, are like, Oh, I'm toast. Or you start getting in your brain, then it's going to be lights out. The match is over and hopefully the ref comes in or it's not in the street. Right. And so that yeah. discipline does come, you know, in, in, in life as well. Yeah. I, I love that you have that reference point of, of uh, martial arts because I think the it's, it's all energy, right? I mean, down scientifically and, and, and just even metaphysically. If, if we think of more efficient use of energy in how we navigate life, whether you're getting your ass kicked or whatever it is, you're, you're essentially, if you're wasting energy in, in a way that is not efficient, you're gonna continue getting punched. And, and life is similar. And, I, and you said something that I wanna, I wanna highlight. You said, how do we remain fearless and optimistic? My suggestion is that trying to be fearless consumes a lot of energy. A lot of energy. Trying to be optimistic, a lot of energy. It's more of that, okay, let me change what's happening right now. Tell myself stories that will make me feel better about it. A lot of energy consumption. What if instead of that, I drop all the energy consumption and use the energy that's here? Fear. What does feeling fear or despair feel like? Because then I just liberate it all this other energy that was being used to manage my experience and now becomes available. And then this experience of fear or despair, whatever the opposite of optimism is, feeling challenged, I feel it in my body. Now the mind will go, yeah, but then I won't do anything about it. Then I will, then I will get punched the third time, you know, from martial arts. So, so if you tell someone that's getting punched, if you could put pause in the, in the video and say, no, you need to focus now and you need to go into this place of Zen and you, they'd be like, no, 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 no. I need to just put my hands up. <laughs> it's like, yes, you can do that once you get to this place. And it's, it's similar with challenges, right? It doesn't mean that by being in full acceptance of what's here, we won't be better. We'll actually be better suited to respond to the moment. Like, so the first step, rather than being avoid what's here, resist it, and take action, the other side, fully embrace what's here, even if that what's here is uncomfortable. And the body is that gateway. The body is so present. So it's like, how does it feel like to be so afraid? How does it feel like? Because fearlessness is, 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 is a concept that in my experience is, is, is unattainable in a long-term without a lot of energy usage. And then once you embrace sort of despair or, or fear, 
and they no longer have control of it. And there's all this abundance of capacity that comes online. It's like, oh no, this is a, this is a direction that I need to go. In. And I think we're all being tested in many ways because I think freedom, for example, is one of those core wounds that I think a lot of us carry from just not many generations ago, right? We've all sort of likely in previous experiences, even if we don't believe in past lives, even our previous just sort of genetically sort of our lineages have experienced imprisonment to some degree or another. What does imprisonment feel like? See, rather than trying to get free and judging those that are imprisoning us or putting policies in place or blah, 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 or blah, 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 or I can't wait to do it, or I got to get out of here. Liberate yourself. And it's almost like we finally have enough consciousness. We are finally at a place that we have the luxury to allow the experience of imprisonment to be present here. It's like if life had been wanting, if consciousness had been wanting to experience imprisonment for many generations, and it's now capable because it's in a vehicle that is capable of fully experiencing that, why would we deny that? Then we just allow it. My experience is I feel so free when I give imprisonment sort of full permission to be here. And then I can have wisdom to say, hey, I'm going to move or hey, I'm going to create policy or be an activist or just speak up. I can do all of that, but not from running away from an experience that I'm trying to avoid. I now know that I can be fully imprisoned and still make a choice, have preferences. Very, it's not a passive experience. Acceptance is actually quite engaged. I love that an example again, and it reminds me of this uh, podcast I just did with uh, Dr. Henry Ely. It's on Rockfin. If people want to check that out, it's a really phenomenal episode. And he just talked about the energy of distraction, right? And um, if you look at news now, the last two years, it's it's crazier, but it's been this way forever. And the last years has really been ramping up. But there's the, there's the idea and headlines and news and media and all these different things, the shock and the awe and the attention grabbing. And, you know, once we, we want to be aware of our circumstances in the world but we don't need to put all our energy there and all of our emotional time. So when all of your day is consumed with all of this negativity, you're not going to have any energy or life force for any kind of solution or any kind of, um, you know, problem solving for your own situation. So it be aware, but be aware of how much energy you're putting into it. Curate your news feeds. If you want to know what's going on, one of the tactical pieces of advice I'd give my coaching group is just, you know, do it for like 10, 15 minutes a day. But if you're finding you're getting overwhelmed, maybe you need to take a break from that because this is going to be a marathon. Life is going to continue to unfold. And the more resilient you can become, the more prepared you're going to be for everything that may come, you know, the greater the challenge. And if you look at thing, uh, people like the Navy SEALs or, you know, paramedics or, um, you know, these people do extraordinary things. They're going into these very challenging situations, learning how to overcome adversity, learning how to, you know, be strong enough to handle the challenges of life. And so it's building up our own resiliency and our own health and our own mindset and our own families and communities, I feel like are important. And, you know, your example of the imprisonment one is, is powerful because I feel like a lot of people feel that way in some capacity when we think about freedom and you think about slavery, you think about being oppressed and going into that feeling of it. And it's fascinating that I I know several people that have been on this podcast and outside that it was the imprisonment, the actual process of being in prison. One was in Thailand. I um, can't remember the 
where the other one was, but it, he talked about how that was the process for getting to this next stage of, you know, evolution in the mind. And so as all these things are unfolding, it's like, I've already gone through that. I've had this death, this experience. So even if it were to happen in reality, I've gone through it, you know, it's there. Mm -hmm. I've been able to process that. And I feel like it's a very powerful thing to do. And when you're, when you're sharing it, it just seems to be this constant reminder of dropping back into the body, right. And having trust in the body, having trust in life, having trust in yourself and, and feel free to comment on that if you want. But I also wanted to ask at the same time, what's your view on, on the world as it is, as it seems very uncertain Like finances, I talk about crypto. So you're working with a lot of money, right. And people's money is like the safety and security. So it's a high, high stress environment, right? So we got the crypto, we got all these different things going on. We got a financial crash. We got basically the sky is falling. Every time you turn on the news, I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> what today, you know, what I mean? you know, now war shoot, you know, this isn't great. <laughs> um, how, what's your view on, on how things are going to be unfolding for humanity? Are you, uh, are you optimistic on how we might be able to navigate this or, or yeah, I'll just leave it at that. How do you feel about the state of the world and where we're going? <laughs> million dollar <laughs> question. Uh, I'm, I'm part of a lot of uh, high profile groups that do lots of investing in family offices and so forth. And, and, you know, we all take stabs at, at figuring things out and, uh, and the truth is nobody knows. Right. And the truth is, that the, I can spend a lot of time trying to, I have friends that run hedge funds that are sort of many, many billions and they're very talented and very smart and they make a lot of money and they still don't know. Um, what I do know is that I can recognize that money is also energy and that the way I relate to money is often uh, a manifestation or a function of how I am feeling inside and if I am feeling abundant or in scarcity. And if I'm trying to control, see, and, it, and sort of piggybacking on what you were originally saying, if we take it back to, to the body, it's like, what is it like in the body to feel like the sky is falling? Because if I can, or the, your friend that was in prison, if I can be in prison, but I don't actually need to be in prison in Thailand, I can just literally feel just I can tell stories and feel what being shackled or being without money feels like, right? It's like, I can, I can literally tap into that and feel the energies that come up. If I can liberate that, then it stops having a, a handle on me. My experience with money is that if I am free with it inside of myself, I will be better positioned to take care of it. And I think that the way I invest is never with the idea that I know what's best. It's always using that same wisdom and it's proven to be incredibly successful. And I know that I'm, when I'm operating from scarcity, crypto is, is a tough one, right? Because I, I, I lived through the 1999, 2000 uh, dot com world and I was looking around and there was so much FOMO and it, it's similar to this crypto center. It's like, all my friends were becoming millionaires. Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm falling behind. I got to invest in something.com. And, and <laughs> I did and then I lost it all. And so it was a good lesson. And, and I can see some of my friends in crypto just feeling that FOMO of just people making a lot of money. And, and I think right now we're going through a bit of a, a, a humbling period, but there's always going to be that thing that has the FOMO. And, and when we're operating from that same place of fear without having fully, like, it's like, what does FOMO feel like in the body? Because unless we liberate it, we're going to be sort of managed by it. 
And if we're hoping that the world doesn't fall apart in order for us to be okay, it's, it's putting a lot of pressure on things that we have zero control over. So I always go back to what do I have dominion over? And I have dominion over my own freedom. And I know that my own freedom is only hampered by my own thinking. Even, I, 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 you know, you talk about prison. Uh, Viktor Frankl, right, from concentration camps, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, has this beautiful quote of, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space lies our freedom. And it really, that's our freedom, right? And no matter how shackled we are, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, we really have that capacity to liberate ourselves from, from this sort of monkey, monkey thinking, which projects a future that everything's going to go to shit because that's its job most of the time. And if we try to be optimistic, we're just fighting its job, which is very tiring. That's why it's like, let, it, let, it, let the experience of everything falling to shit be here now. Can I be okay with that? You know, again, I, really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like that answer because um, one of the things I've seen recently is, you know, we are creators in this world, right? And so when we're perpetually thinking about an outcome that's undesirable, if you look at the basics of the law of attraction, you're assisting in that creation, you're speaking it into existence. And, you know, if we get into the weirdness of the power the power of the word, who knows how powerful it is. So how can we speak about architecting the reality we want? And I really should do a, a webinar or a teaching on this. I've thought about it for a while. Of, I really like the law of attraction where uh, Michael Lozier taught me to make the list of everything that you don't want, right? So then you know what you do want. So we look at the world and we don't want to be imprisoned. We don't want to be, you know, without food and resources. We don't want to be at war, whatever, right? And so all these things, you know, liberate that. Now we can add this point, uh, part that you're adding is emotionally liberate all that horrible possibility and then now focus completely on what it is we want we want peace we want food abundance for everybody we want prosperity and communities we want quality relationships between all races religions uh sex we want you know whatever the case is and get very clear on that um but we're the only ones that like you said that you have the dominion over you can only control yourself and your emotional uh being and when you do that you set the example for other people and whether it's the morphogenic field whether it's the creator whether it's uh evolution of consciousness whether it's anything that we don't understand because it is all speculation we only know a tiny tiny little bit of a tiny tiny little bit um we can participate in the thing that we desire right as we yeah. look at you know i do i'm not going to participate and that's where i think all of this stuff in the world falls apart coming back to that present moment knowing that you know what the simple thing i'm going to do is not participate in things that cause harm that i know are going to cause harm to other people and i'm going to focus on what is it that i can do that will bring a little bit of joy bring a little bit of peace bring a little bit of hope bring a little bit of inspiration value anything that is positive and just making that choice and uh, this whole thing will just collapse on its own and i like the idea that it's what's the quote it says like uh evil sows the seeds of destruction within itself right mm -hmm. and so we do have these dueling forces in the world because they are within ourselves right when we make a good choice and we make a choice that would cause harm you know am i making choices where i'm not thinking about the you know my fellow man right and yeah. i think it's not the majority that do that i think it's the minority for sure but some people do that and as long as we're the ones in our own capacity doing that. That's all we can, we're able to do. I remember feeling so disheartened working on human trafficking and seeing how the numbers were insane and just, you know, it was a while into it and just being overwhelmed with the horror of the situation. And I was like, man, I wish I could push a button, but I can't. 
what is the thing that I can do uh, that's helpful? And that's where I'd always come back to the podcast. I was like, my, my small brain, the least I can do is try to create content that empowers people. Um, and now if I wanted to get more and more into it, my solution would be um, teaching martial arts to women. So I teach that to a small group of people that can maybe share that out. But if it's 10 women or one person's life, and I like, I give this example too, like maybe, you know, what you do, your meaning of life or your purpose is, you know, you help one person in a meaningful way and you change the trajectory of their whole life. What's the value of that? It's invaluable, right? And so it doesn't have to be everyone in the whole humanity because everybody has free will here, their own consciousness, their own story. We can't, if we put our energy in that bucket we're disempowering ourselves and it's useless thinking that doesn't that doesn't help it's just going to be your interaction in the same sense of somebody in public is being mean to me and calling me names and wants to physically get after me or do whatever they want to do it's just my response to that i can empower yeah. that person and that experience or or i can respond in an empowering way knowing that that you know my emotional world is the thing that i have control over and mm. that's it so I, that's my rent you want to add to it mm. <laughs> love it. No, I love it. And I, I love where you started, which is like make a list of all the things you don't want and how rather than immediately focusing on, on the things that you do want, it's like liberate yourself from the things that you don't want by literally feeling in the minion body. Like what's it like to feel everything that you're trying to avoid? Because what that list, you're just telling me what your shackles are. And no matter how much you focus on your wants, those are still your shackles. You're going to be dragging this heavy chain. And, and another thing that I would do, which piggybacks onto the last thing you were doing, you were saying about, the, for example, the human trafficking, right? The same way that you would make a list of everything you don't want, make a list of everything you judge. See, when I, when I find myself judging things like trafficking or, or anyone, I make a list of all the judgments and then I own all those judgments. So human trafficking, human traffickers are senseless, heartless, you know, whatever your, your whole violent, uh, just make your list of your sort of most petty and real judgments about them. And then see how you can own those judgments inside yourself. Like, how am I heartless? How am I violent? How am I? Because psychologically speaking, it's all a projection, right? Everything we're seeing and that we're judging out there is somehow something that we're judging inside of ourselves. And we may say, well, I'm, I remember I, I did this with, with I, I was studying psychology and, and, and doing a projection work. And I was like, okay, so everything's a projection. And I, I remember seeing this, uh, this girl that was selling her, her, her body uh, and for, for work, like a sex worker. I was like, well, that's not a projection, right? Because I would never, like, I would figure out a way to make money elsewhere. And then I was thinking, no, what, the prostitute archetype is someone that, in my mind, compromises their values in exchange for money, protection, safety, security. I was like, oh shit, I've done a lot of that. I've compromised my values so much in exchange for comfort, security, blah, 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 to fit into. And I, when I was able to forgive myself for all the judgments I had for all the times I've done that, it just liberated me. So if you can just make a list of, of everything you judge about that human trafficking world, it liberates you and it liberates you to a degree where now you're, it's not like you're condoning or you're saying, oh, that's not wrong or I won't do anything about it. It actually liberates you to a degree that you're much more capable to do something about it. It's, 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 it's again, just, it's, it's more of that ownership, ownership, ownership. Yeah. That's very well said. And, and I like how you're framing it because you're a person 
who is taking action. You're a person who is seeing challenges in the world and participating in a way that is providing solutions. You know, in this podcast, it could have, we could have easily gone down the rabbit hole of how successful you were in business, which is, you know, astronomical and, and all the boards you're on. And, and this is just going through the bio and looking at a bit. You have a very little public profile, but yet we're, we're focusing on, you know, deeper spiritual topics of the individual, right? Liberating the the self, because, you know, if I'm on a boat and it's sinking, I have to figure, I have to know how to swim. And then I can take that and help other people. We have to be accountable for ourselves. And again, that energy outside of judgment and all these other things is, is useless thinking. It is not helpful. What are you going to do? And what is the spirit you're going to do it in? And then yeah. you can come from a very powerful place of solutions. And we can't fix everything. We'll, we'll work on the things that are close to our heart, on the solutions that are uh, our issues that are the most meaningful to us in the capacity that we can in the most empowered way. And that's how we do do this, you know, person by person, family by family, community by community, setting those examples and and. I feel like one of the themes is a lot of wasted energy. And so I feel like this has just been really wonderful. I'd love to talk to you all day for, for hours and we didn't even get into the book. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about where the book is going to come out soon. Where can people dive in because the chapters, and maybe we'll do this again if you're open to it, but you know, you have them all listed out, you know, the operating system, irrational discontent, unnecessary roughness, uh, possible, what's possible, dynamic surrender, breaking free, mental, emotional, physical freedom, uh, waking up. So I think the book is going to be phenomenal based on this conversation. So I'd love for you to speak about uh, a little bit about the book, get people excited yeah. and, and let them know where they can go and anything else you'd like to share with the listeners. Totally. Totally. Thank you, man. It's, it's really a roadmap of, of my journey and the journey of a lot of the people that I've mentored along the way through sort of the lens of parenting, through the lens of business, through the lens of uh, activism to see how it is to, that we do exactly what you're describing. How do we claim back our power and show up in the world in a way where we're fully uh, alive and efficient. And, and that includes a process of unraveling lots of stuff. So it's, this gives tools and it lays out a lot of examples of ways in which I've done that myself and seen people do it. And uh, it's gonna come out June 7th on, on Amazon. So the mystery of you, it's called. Amazing. And is there a website people can go to or just Amazon link? I think Amazon would probably be the best way to go. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a pleasure. Uh, you know, I really appreciate this conversation and your insights. Is there anything else that you want to just leave the listeners with before we close the show? Thank you, Matt. Uh, a lot of gratitude. And uh, just a reminder that enlightenment really is this thing that is possible for all of us right here if we only just notice it and pay attention. It's not reserved for the gurus or the monasteries. And life really can be amazing and we don't have to sacrifice uh, all the amazingness that comes with preferences and doing amazing creative work we can do that and do it from a place of freedom beautiful very well said well this was an excellent episode i appreciate you coming on and uh just thanks for your work and writing the book thank you matt really appreciate everything you do thanks wow. for having us all right thanks guys for watching see you in the next one peace you have it ladies and gentlemen the absolutely amazing Emilio Diaz Barroso I hope that you enjoyed the show I know I certainly did I learned a lot I deepened my understanding on a few topics and just really love his perspective uh, his wisdom his um, just 
authenticity and humbleness. Uh, so I hope that you enjoyed this. Please share it far and wide. If you did, go check out mattbelair.com for exclusive content for members. Become a member for free or by donation. Um, if you want to check out some of the programs, they're over there as well. And you can reach out at matt at zenathlete.com if you want to get in touch. Uh, if you want to look at the news, go to linktree uh, forward slash mattbelair. That's where I do most of my posting because everything else keeps getting censored and hacked, which has gotten frustrating. Uh, but I do want to post on Instagram and some of those other places. Uh, but the every time I try i'm getting censored or hacked or something like that so i'll figure out a solution there but uh telegram is the best place for news right now and i look forward to hearing from you guys if you have any questions um insights comments just hit me up matt at zenathlete.com would love to hear from you and uh, just a heads up that uh, i will be moving my household and i will also be traveling italy for a wedding so uh we'll be a little bit low key in the next couple months but i will still be putting out episodes so um check telegram that's where i'm going to do most of my posting and uh, if you can want to reach out and communicate that's the place to be so thank you guys so much for being here. I sincerely appreciate you and your time. Um, if you're hearing this, I just send you nothing but my love, support, and prayers for you, your family, and your loved ones. Uh, wishing you all the best, all the you know, faith, courage, love, and, and connection with God as possible. So before we end this, why don't we just come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, faith, courage, power, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.